Well, dear friends, Merry Christmas. It's a joy to see you. My name is Dave. I serve as one of the pastors uh, here with Redeemer Church, and it's a delight to celebrate. It, it is not an overestimation to say that uh, this is my favorite night of the year as a church, when we gather together on Christmas Eve to celebrate that our Savior has come uh, to us. So what a joy to be together. No matter your background, no matter whether you've been with us before or you've come to church for years, you are welcome to join us. So one thing I want to add to uh, Samuel's comments earlier, he invited you back in the morning, tomorrow at 1030, which we'd love to see you. Pastor Morgs is going to be preaching and we're going to celebrate Christmas Day. But also one week from today or one week from tomorrow, You'll see that we'll be uh, letting you sleep in a little bit on New Year's Day. So we're going to meet at 2.30 p.m. for our monthly first Sunday prayer gathering. And then at 4 p.m. for our worship uh, gathering, our worship service here in this same room. So this is January the 1st, uh, 2023. So that is uh, coming up. Hopefully you sleep in. Come join us. It'll be a great time to bring in the new uh, year. Well, let me pray as we turn our hearts to the Word. Oh, Father, open our eyes and transform our hearts this Christmas. Help us to marvel at the fact that our Savior was born to save His people from their sins. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Do you like the unexpected? Kids, tweens, I see many of you in this service. Do you like surprises? Some of you maybe do, some of you don't. I love surprises. I adore surprises. I love people surprising me. Of course, good surprises, not bad surprises. But I love being surprised. The, even though I live with a family of six where the other five don't like surprises. They don't want, they don't want to be surprised. They want to know what's planned. They like to be ready. I've learned over the years that when I surprise them, I'm the one having the most fun. Was the first Christmas a surprise? Or I could put it this way, was the birth of Christ expected or unexpected? While some of us put up Christmas trees and lights, some of us exchange gifts and eat with family or friends during this time of year, as Christians, the main purpose in our celebrating Christmas is to celebrate Christ coming to us. It's been said you can't take Christ out of Christmas. Was Christ coming to earth a surprise? Was it unexpected? Well, that's the theme for this evening, the unexpected Savior. Now, when we first announced the theme, there was a tween in the church who couldn't believe what she read on our invite card. She proclaimed, actually, Jesus was totally expected. The entire Old Testament points to him. Well, that tween was actually right. And she would ace any biblical theology course at our Gulf Theological Seminary. She got it. He was the expected Savior, and at the same time, the unexpected Savior. 
Maybe an illustration will help us. There was kind of an important football match that happened last week. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you watched the World Cup final between France and Argentina. Okay, like almost all of you. I heard that half of the planet Earth watched the match, which is amazing to think about that half of us across the entire planet Earth are watching the same thing at the same time. Well, what happened at the match was both expected and unexpected at the same time. It was expected to be a pretty good match, wasn't it? Two great teams. That wasn't a surprise. It was expected that Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi would perform well, that they would feature in the match. They are two of the best players in the world, two of the brightest football stars. But what was unexpected is that we'd see unfold before our very own eyes perhaps the greatest football match ever played. A hat trick. That means three goals by Mbappe. First time in a final since 1966. Another two by Messi. Three penalty kicks with the third coming from a handball. An incredible goal by Messi hitting a defender past the goal line in the goal. Mbappe's iconic score. In fact, he scored two goals in two minutes to save France from almost certain defeat in regulation time in minutes 80 and 81. Two goals in extra time, one by each team, unfathomable. And then the penalty kicks. Who could have envisioned all of that? unexpected. In a sense, we could say that the World Cup match was both expected on the one hand and unexpected on the other. It was anticipated and yet was surprising. Well, the coming of Jesus was much the same. Another way to say it is Jesus should have been expected. And yet even for those waiting for him, it was surprising and unexpected in many ways. So I have two points tonight. Number one, the expected Savior, and number two, the unexpected Savior. So let's start first with the expected Savior. That tween in our church, she was accurate in her claims. The Savior was expected even from the very start of our Bibles. The Bible commences with the words, in the beginning, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Blue skies and radiant rainbows tenaciously tall mountains as high as the sky, vast blue oceans teeming with dolphins and colossal blue whales, magically colored coral reefs just beneath the ocean waters, lands covered with deliciously colored flowers and filled with delicate butterflies, agile cheetahs and lions, these kings of the jungle roaming the vast earth, Succulent mangoes, oranges, blueberries, all kinds of fruit to eat. All created by God. All things good. But there's something greater that God created. There's a pinnacle of God's creation. There's the very apex, the very centerpiece of God's creation where the first two humans, Adam and Eve, They were made in God's image, just as each and every one of us in this room tonight was made in the very image of God. There was something about Adam and Eve, and there's something about you and I 
that shows the beauty of God to one another and to the whole world. Adam and Eve were placed in a luscious garden with the privilege of a personal relationship with God. God had not created out of loneliness, but out of love. Sharing with them the first two humans himself. They were to enjoy both the gifts and the giver of the gifts. But before the blink of an eye, history takes a ghastly turn. It was a turning away by Adam and Eve. It was a turning away from God towards the devil. It was a turning away from obeying God to following the evil one. God had blessed them. He presented them a delightful garden. Take everything, eat everything, enjoy everything, enjoy me and enjoy these gifts, except don't eat from that one tree. A smaller limitation, inconceivable. But instead of obeying, Adam and Eve adhered to the lies of the devil. They thought that God was holding back some kind of treasure from them. And they rebelled. God exiled them from the garden and their sin because it was against the holy and perfect God imported death into the world. Both of them and all of us born after them, we've all followed their ways. But just after their sin, before we really can even let their traumatic decision sink in, the expected Savior was promised and announced in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we read that there would be one coming, that there would be a Savior coming who would crush the evil one. That that day was coming. The people were then directed to offer sacrifices to God, animal sacrifices to God to atone for their sin. We see this in the third book of the Bible, a book called Leviticus. In this book, you see sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, and it's a bit monotonous to read that book. And that's part of the point. It's because no sacrifice was complete. No sacrifice completely absolved them of sin. No sacrifice was good enough to forgive their sins. It was a daily and an annual reminder, a pointer to a greater sacrifice to come. It's a reminder for us today that no matter how much we sacrifice our own lives, no matter how well we live, no matter how much we do for God, it's not sufficient on its own. It's never sufficient. No amount of good we do can wash away our sins. Those sacrifices were merely a pointer to the expected Savior to arrive who would wholly cleanse us. Well, next we see God's promises, also called covenants. We see several of these, a couple, one to Abraham. We see that in the early chapters of Genesis. God promised land, seed, and blessing. There would be one descended from Abraham who would be that Savior. And then we see David, King David, the mighty King David, a good king, a gracious king, but also a flawed king, a king who pointed to a greater king, King Jesus the expected Savior. In a way, the people would have expected a coming Savior. There were sacrifices and promises. There were judges and there were kings, each pointing to human failure, each pointing to sin, each pointing 
through a perfect judge and a perfect king who would later break into the world. Well, they were also direct prophecies or future predictions of an expected Savior. We read some this evening. The prophecy of Micah says that this expected Savior would come to Bethlehem. We see in Isaiah 7, Samuel read this as well. It tells us that God would come to his people, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God is with us. We see that way back, hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus would come, there were direct prophecies, there were direct predictions that came true, all of them. We've read a couple this evening. The people expected it. They would have heard these prophecies. For those of you who've attended the past few months of Redeemer, you would know that we have gone through uh, the prophecy of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. It was written 400 years before Jesus was born. All these promises, all these prophecies were given, but then there was silence. At first, it was like the silence before a surprise birthday or engagement party. You know, maybe you've been to one or the other. Everyone gets quiet when the person you're supposed to surprise is approaching the flat or approaching the door or the villa. I was recently at an engagement party, and we were able to talk and drink and have a good time and eat, and we were hanging with one another. But then we got the cue. We got the signal that the engaged couple had arrived at the building, and so we were to get very, very quiet only to wait for the appropriate time as the door opened to yell out, surprise, congratulations. And then they were led as we clapped for their triumphal entry as the newlywed or newly engaged couple. Now at first in this time here after the prophecy of Malachi, the people were waiting, they were expectant, they expected Jesus to come. And so they, they, they had this belief in God, they were eagerly anticipating his arrival. They were like those of us waiting in the flat to cheer on with excitement. But what happened? Well, nothing. There was silence. Four hundred years. The expected Savior didn't come. No prophecies. There were no words of the Lord during these 400 years. No assurances. No encouragements. No prophets. Just silence. But after a long silence, after 400 years, four centuries, the Savior came unexpectedly and lived in an unexpected world. Way. That's the second point and our theme this evening. Number two, the unexpected Savior. One way the Savior was unexpected is that he was late. Well, we know better than that. God is never late. But the people certainly would have thought so. The Israelites would certainly have expected him to come a lot earlier than he did. He was also unexpected in that the people were waiting for a military Messiah. They were waiting for a Messiah, for a Savior to come and to physically fight for them because the people of Israel were under the bondage of Rome. 
And so they thought that certainly the Messiah is going to come and they're going to lead. He's going to lead them in victory over the Romans. That there would be a military champion, a military Messiah. But instead of a five-star general, they got a baby. I don't know about you, but I love babies. I love babies. They're so cute. But can you think of anything more opposite from a naval commander than a newborn baby? Babies are cute to look at, but they need to be fed. They need to be burped. And they make such stinky nappies. It's, it's pretty gross. They need lots of sleep. And if you're a parent, you may feel like you're doing the same thing each and every day. You feel that way because, well, you are. A baby totally depends on their parents for survival, totally helpless. But the Isaiah 7 passage tells us that God would come as a child. So this shouldn't have been as big of a surprise, and yet it was. That verse 4 in chapter 7 of Isaiah, in that prophecy, the Lord himself will give you a sign. They should have been expecting it. They should have been expecting the sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. 400 years of silence, a baby comes, born of a virgin. God supernaturally, by the Holy Spirit, placed a baby in Mary's womb. Expected in a way, there was prophecy given, but for the most part, they hadn't made the connection. The people were surprised. This was unexpected. This was a humble birth. He was not born at the royal suite at, the Dubai, at a Dubai hospital. The family was relatively poor. This was also a scandalous birth. Mary wasn't fully married yet. No one could have conceived of a virgin birth. That's not normally how this works. Mary was unmarried, pun partially intended. An unmarried mother would face all kinds of scorn and ridicule. And yet God put a baby in her womb. Now imagine Mary talking to her fiancé, Joseph, about this. Hey, Joe, um, we'll talk about your day in just a minute, but I, I've got some news to share. Something unexpected, something unimaginable happened. It's been quite a day around here. You might want to take a seat for this. I'm having a baby. Now, I've always wondered something. Maybe you have too as you read the accounts of Jesus' birth. What was Joseph thinking in that moment? What was he saying? Was he silent? Was he stunned? Was he, was he shocked? Was his heart beating so hard it felt like it was crashing into his chest? I mean, who's the father? And even if God had something to do with it, if he understood that, the shame and the contempt that they would face not having been married would be enormous and must have been racing through his mind at some point. It was an unexpected birth, unexpected in many other ways too. An angel comes to Joseph and says, so uh, yes, there's a baby coming. He's kind of a big deal. You're going to raise him and you're going to name him Jesus. Now this is no small detail when you read the gospel account. A father had a special right to name his son. It was a birth announcement to the public that that right there, that's my boy. That's my son. Your identity was interwoven with his. 
But it was God the Father who had named this boy, not Joseph. Well, the baby's name was to be Jesus, which means God saves. God had become man, fully human and yet fully divine. Other angels appear in dreams, in person, in the sky. One angel, Gabriel, is commissioned by God to go to Mary in the first place with the news that she'll become pregnant with the promised Messiah. What else is unexpected? Well, they're wise men. Now, that sounds okay, but it's pagan astrology that leads them to the baby. It's mysterious they'd come anyway. These were influential and powerful men. They traveled a long, long way to see a baby, bringing expensive gifts to hand to the child and to worship him. They were lowly shepherds. They got wind of the news from an angelic choir urging them to visit a smelly stable in an insignificant, nothing amazing ever happened kind of town named Bethlehem. And if you heard of King Herod, well, King Herod was enraged. He was angry. I mean, who gets angry about the birth of a baby? Even if you're in a bad mood, a baby makes you smile. It's a baby. They're cute, they're cuddly, but King Herod felt threatened by this baby. He wanted him dead and even sent his assassins on a manhunt for baby Jesus, in the process annihilating all the Jewish boys two years and younger. As Jesus grew up, the Savior had unexpected friends. A man named John the Baptist was his forerunner, the one who announced his arrival. Well, John wore all these strange furs and hairs, and he dipped locusts into honey for his lunch. Jesus spoke surprising and unexpected words. Love your enemies. If someone steals from you, we'll give them a bit more. Someone slaps you on the cheek, we'll just turn and let them slap your other cheek. He said prayer and fasting, those are great virtues. He said blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the persecuted, blessed are the poor. These teachings were mind-blowing and in opposition to the legalistic teachings of Jesus' day. Jesus was also slow in getting started for the ministry. I mean, 400 years of silence, 400 years, Jesus is born, and then it's only It's 30 whole years later by the time he starts his public ministry. He had strange friends. He said strange and surprising things. He was slow in starting. And he prayed. All throughout the accounts of Jesus in the Bible, we see over and over again, Jesus prayed. He went off by himself to pray. He took some time in silence and solitude to pray. If anyone need not pray, it would be him. It would be Jesus, fully human, fully divine. But even he acknowledged his need. This was an expected birth because the Old Testament promised it. The Old Testament pointed to it. The Old Testament prophesied about it. But still, even with all that, at the same time, it was unexpected. All other worldviews maintain we must toil hard to reach God, but we can't. No matter how hard we try, friends, it's never enough. It's surprising that Christianity gives us another way, that God has come to us. Church, that's the message of Christmas. We can't ascend the invisible mountain to God by our good works, but instead God went ahead and descended that mountain to bring you to himself.
The birth was shocking, surprising, but the most unexpected truth about the Savior may not have been his birth, as astonishing as it was, but his death and what happened after. He was betrayed by a friend and follower named Judas. He was shamed beyond all measure. In an honor and shame culture, he lost all honor. In the ancient Near East, Romans normally weren't allowed to be punished by crucifixion. It was too embarrassing. It was too horrible. It was too shameful. And yet Jesus, embarrassed, naked, and ashamed, hung on that cross, crucified, and killed. The dream of victory over Rome had been passed away. The triumph over sin disappeared, it seemed, extinguished alongside Jesus' death on the cross. The people expected a champion. The people expected someone strong. The people expected a leader of the military, one to deliver them from Rome. But instead, the unexpected Savior who would conquer not an army, but something greater than any other enemy, sin and death. Jesus was born to die to save his people from their sins. Matthew 1.21, which was read earlier, she, meaning Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Oh, friends, Jesus is a most unexpected Savior. If you don't know him yet, if you don't yet know Jesus, if you don't follow Christ, I urge you to follow him. He's come down to you. There's no bundle of good works you can do, but only to bow your heart to him. To repent of ever trying to save yourself. To repent of thinking that you could be good enough to be saved by God. Repenting a humble acknowledgement that you're a sinner who needs a savior. Trusting in him, the one who was born, the one who has died, and the one who rose from the dead to save you. Believe unto him this Christmas and receive the greatest gift in the world. Salvation in Christ. Well, maybe you didn't expect to be at a Christmas church gathering tonight. Maybe you were invited by a friend. Maybe you stumbled in. Maybe you came at the last moment. Maybe you haven't been in a Christian worship gathering for years. I know there are many stories in this room. Maybe you didn't expect to find yourself here this evening. But God's not surprised. God knew, even if you might be a little surprised that you came, it may feel a bit unexpected, but you're exactly in the place where God would have you on December 24th, 2022. Oh friend, believe in Jesus and be saved from your sin and receive everlasting life in God. Let's pray together. Oh Father, we thank you for the expected and yet the unexpected birth and arrival of Jesus Christ. Oh, the Savior, born of a virgin, lived without sin, died upon the cross for the sins of his people, and rose from the dead miraculously. Oh, we thank you for Jesus 
We praise you for providing a way to everlasting life. May we, as we leave this place tonight, would we be walking by faith in Christ? Would we walk by faith in Christ tonight and for the rest of our lives? And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.